And they were like, I think your dad's outside in the car, like a fancy <laughs> car. And it was Thomas Riddell out and he's like top of the range, you know, BMW, <laughs> just like smoking a disc blur. Uncovering the most amazing stories from the most talented innovators and creatives in marketing, tech and digital, this is the Wonderful People Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful People Podcast with the wonderful Phil, Dan and an incredible guest today who Phil will introduce later. Now, um, if you've been listening to our podcast over the last few months, you'll have noticed there's a change now from Dan and Phil to Phil and Dan. And Phil, Phil brought this up last episode. He said that there's been a big power change. And I'm not sure if it's because he's had a new haircut or it's 2021 or if it's because he's creative influencer of the year or but it's now the Phil and Dan show. So, Phil, over to you, boss. Well, I did, it's got a nicer ring to it, hasn't it? I, I so. think so. Why not? And I'm not going to call in, I guess, the comment on that at the moment because I've not <laughs> even introduced her. Um, but my week. My week's been an interesting one, Dan, because um, there's been this little thing going on over in America all week. So I've been tuned into CNN for about three or four days, solid, just watching it all. And some of it is laughable. And you know there are things that are going on that are still just beyond hilarious. Uh, and then there's the sort of beauty of what actually happened and the way that Joe Biden was sworn in and the uh, the amazing lady that read, read the poem, his wife, the way the, the people that he's been hiring in all the top jobs, they just seem like real grown up, sensible people who are there to do a job for America rather than there to be supporting this mad billionaire with the orange face. And, um, and the one thing I just only picked it up last night was like Ted Cruz, who's one of his henchmen who's looking to get in power himself in four years, he's already kicked off by saying he, he disagrees with the Paris Climate Agreement because it's too good for the French and why shouldn't it be good for them and not for us? It's just it's just beyond anyone's like comprehension of what do these people talk about when they're at home talking to their wives and children and anyway. It's like a big court, that world, the whole world had a big sigh of relief, didn't they? It felt it's like massive. it's massive. It felt and like I'm, literally the whole world's up a bit yeah. of normality. Yeah. And because of the time di time difference of the things that were going on over there, you find yourself at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning right. catching up on stuff because it's their daytime. But uh, when I introduce our, our guest today, I think she might have more to say about that. <laughs> just from the part of the world she's been in recently. Absolutely. So, you, before you introduce your guest, though, Phil, yeah, we, we've been talk, We've spoken, obviously, about, you know, a couple of things in this, in this episode already. You haven't mentioned Man United being top of the league. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I haven't you mentioned what. it. <laughs> you haven't mentioned it all day. I was thinking, do you know what? And also, uh, that we've had two American presidents since Liverpool last scored a goal. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that is a very good point. Now, Craig Johnston's going to be swearing at you right now. When Craig, he, when Craig he Johnston's going to hate that one. Yeah, but, he's going to um, hate that one. No, it's quite a nice feeling being top of the league at the moment. I'm, I'm enjoying the moment. I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's it's pretty good. There we go. So our guest today, 
the start of her life on the media and production design course at the London College of Printing, which is now the University of the Arts, London. And looking back at the dates, I was surprised to know that uh, I have known this lady for 35 years or possibly slightly more. So it's a, it's a bit of an age giveaway, uh, especially as I was much younger than her. <laughs> I was much younger than her when I met her. <laughs> uh, her design journey started as a student in Amsterdam at Total Design and returned full circle to Amsterdam at the end of 2017 at Philips, where her team has already picked up several prestigious red dot design awards. More of that later. Her journey has included successful spells at Raymond Lewis, Samson Tyrrell, Enterprise IG, which is now Super Union, Wolf Olins with her good friend, Michael Wolf, Profit, as well as running her own agency in New York. And her brand design portfolio is exceptional. So today I'm hoping we can find out more about the journey from Amsterdam to London to New York and finally back to Amsterdam. Today's guest is Helen Keyes. She's the global head of brand communications and digital design at Philips. Over to you, Dano. Welcome, Helen. Thank you for inviting me. It's very nice to be here. Well, I feel like we might need to clear up a little bit of uh, misinformation in, in, in that bio there, uh, specifically the age thing. <laughs> I feel there's no way. There's I, I, no way. I need to clarify that because it's incredibly important. Um, I was a student at LCP. <laughs> and Mr. Jones was running a well-established typesetting company. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly yeah, I that. Think that gives you a clue of the gap in <laughs> the our age gap. <laughs> yeah, and we were Thanks. actually we we're only a hundred yards down the road, weren't we? From exactly. the, you were in the Elephant Castle, and I was in the Walworth Road. And you were very smart because you were just like, "Oh, I'm going to nab those really good designers, and one of them will make it big, and I'll be, you know, I'll be getting that typesetting for life." So yeah, yeah. Oh, there <laughs> we, we go. We, we knew we knew what you. Well, it was the London College of Printing. I mean, typesetting was us. We were all doing metal setting. And exactly. So, so you know, we can kern with the best of them. <laughs> right. So, Helen, we've got. And more importantly, I am a Man U supporter, so I'm thrilled that we're at the top. Of the Are you? Oh, yeah. Wow, dear. I, I suspected that that was why the only reason I was invited. It wasn't the only reason, but <laughs> it, it could have disqualified you had you been Man City. Or Arsenal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hands up. Hold your hands up. Yeah, Dan. yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan. It's, uh, yeah, we have many, uh, many a conversation about it. I've got nothing to say right now. But we've got lots and lots of questions for you, Helen. So I'm going to kick off with the same question we kick off with all of our guests. If you were to be stuck in a lift with someone, who would it be and why? Um, well, I knew who it was going to be until we had the inauguration this week. And it would have been Michelle Obama. But now it's Amanda Gorman. Amazing. The young, yeah. the youth poet laureate of the USA. Oh, wow. Read her amazing poem. And um, I, I think that it just filled me with pride. One, that it was a woman. One, that it was a 22-year-old woman. Or two, it was a 22-year-old woman. And three, that it was uh, an amazing African-American lady who just exuded elegance, power, uh, the quality of thinking. And it just made me just brim with pride that that is the quality of the youth and uh, the caliber of person that's sort of in America 
um, that is the true face of America, to be honest with you, because I am an American citizen. I became an American several years ago. So I was brimming with pride. So I'd like to be in an elevator with her, please. Great answer. That's Great a answer. brilliant answer. Yeah, really and, good. And actually, in case I forget to mention it, the poet, Mike Gary. So if you listen to his, and he, he said the same, he thought she was absolutely incredible. And she looked, she looked fantastic, didn't she? She just stood out on that stage, amazing. Yeah, she was uh, being interviewed by um, uh, Addison Cooper the other night on CNN, and uh, and he he was just awe in you know he, you could see he was just struck dumb talking to her because she was so eloquent and she was quoting Hamilton and which I love you know and so uh, I mean she just you know she's the poster child for what America is. So um, it was just stunning watching her. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you started with Raymond Lowy. Yes. And that was around about 30 years ago. So you yeah. can't lie about this student thing for too long. <laughs> like, so uh, I'd love you to I didn't tell want to me. say he was dead, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as old as him. He was dead. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but actually, if you if you could take us back to that time and tell us, about how you started uh, and also what was going on around that time. Who were the people that everyone was looking up to? That would be quite an interesting start to our chat. So, yes, I went to LCP. Yes, I did MPD, Media Production Design. Uh, so I was taught by Brian Grimley and, you know, and, and the guys, So, which was very, really about information design, photography, typography, and that really set me up for life. And it was a four year degree. So that third year was, I was very lucky and I did my placement at Total Design in Amsterdam. And I was in Yellow Van der Toorn's team, but you know, Ben Boss and, uh, um, uh, you know, and you know, those, and Vim Crowell were both there. And so, and those friends that I made then have been my friends my entire life since then. And uh, they were a bit shocked that I showed back up on the Dutch doorstep again, but I was like, I'm back. Um, so after a big gap of, you know, but uh, so that was amazing. But when I did my degree show, part of what was in there was a piece of work that was influenced by work I did at Total. And uh, I was very lucky that there were some old men from Raymond Lowy's that were walking around the degree show, which was um, Patrick O'Farrell and Thomas Riddell. And Thomas, until the day he died, said he discovered me. Oh. So I was very lucky that I was invited. And I thought, hang on a minute, didn't we study this bloke in art history? Like, wow. you know, and it's just like the industrial designer of our age. Do you know what I mean? And of course, I'm in an industrial design environment at the moment. But um, so and I got also got offered a job by Vogue. And, uh, and my mum's like, Vogue, right? And I was like, actually, I think I might go with the old blokes. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I was the like, old bloke. My early 20s and no they were all old because they were all the founders of Lowy's yeah so all the books that you'll see you'll see all the pictures of these guys in it so they the creative director was 65 the most junior person that was allowed to come in and work in the studio had to have at least five years experience wow. so myself and my other friend were an exception and also we we're an exception because we were female um but to the day he died he he said he discovered me and I, I was miserable by the way so within two years, I was just, I couldn't even drag myself to the office. I hated it so much. And they were laughing. I was just like, it's not, I just hate this. And of course they were doing predominantly packaging and um, 
you know, Philip Morris and, you know, because they did Lucky Strike Pack and, you know, Shell and NASA and you name it, every brand under the sun. So it was really grown up, but very elegant. So they taught me about beauty. Um, we used to do the silkscreen printing for some of the fine artists in London. So I've got a collection of artist proof of Patrick Hughes and various other people that we used to do in our print studio downstairs. When I was really up, you know, I was just crying one day and they were just like, you know, what? and then Thomas took me into his office and he said, the problem is you don't know what kind of designer you are. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, the thing you enjoy is the stuff on Shell and, you know, the stuff that we were doing that was more sort of process guidelines. And um, and they said, you're, you know, you're a brand designer. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I am. You know, it was like this thing. Somebody told me what I was. And so they said, we just need to find you a job in the right place. So um, we we put my portfolio together. <laughs> they drove me to all the job interviews. My goodness. Wow. Oh, these, when I say these guys were elegant men, they spoke five languages. I'd go to um, uh, Philip Morris in, in Germany and in Munich and sitting beside all these guys in their Armani suits with gold Rolexes, all speaking, you know, super, super elegant. But at... Um, Thomas was all about beauty and elegance and um, and you know he would bring a lot of the work that was on my desk and share it with with clients and say look how lovely I picked it off of Helen's desk this morning but he was a real you know that kind of love and it was love um, and knowing that you've seen out of this you know this working class kid who's just sort of arrived out of nowhere and you've seen that raw talent in them and, and not to hold on to it, but just allow it to grow. Um, and that that man or those men have been my role models for leadership my whole life. Wow, what a great story. Wow. So when, I, when I went for my job interview at Samson Tyrrell, which is now Enterprise OG, which is now Supermute, um, uh, one of the, I think it was... Um, I can't remember who I was interviewing with. I think it was Sam Sampson or, or Terry. And they were like, I think your dad's outside in the car, like a <laughs> fancy car. And it was Thomas Riddell out and he's like top of the range, you know, BMW, <laughs> just like smoking a disc blur. You know, uh, like, you know, darling, how did it go? I think that's the one. Oh, fantastic. You know. Oh, that's amazing. Um, they were amazing. So wow. um, thank you, Raymond Lowy. Uh, you also mentioned the men there. It was all because that was Sam Sampson yeah. or Terry Tyrrell. Oh, you mean at Sampson Tyrrell? Uh, uh, at Sampson Tyrrell. Everywhere yeah. then, it was it, all the places were mainly dominated by men, weren't they, at the time yes. you were talking about? Yes. yes. That's why I'm still single. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I was just like, I can't go near any of them because I just thought it was, it was uh, now it sort of thrills me with, um, you know, especially the Me Too thing which we won't get into too heavily, but um, it's very difficult being a woman, I think in any job or any industry. So it thrills me now that young women are coming through. Um, and actually, ironically, when I interviewed at, at Phillips three, three and a half years ago, I was in Eindhoven talking to one of my leadership colleagues. I said, so what's the ratio of men to women? And she said, oh, we're still working on it. And I was like, God, here we go, another one. And she said, it's 48% to 52 percent and I was like oh so there's just two percent to go then <laughs> wow so um it, it, you know Phillips is very egalitarian um and uh, and takes inclusion and diversity extremely seriously so uh 
so yeah I mean that that thrilled me coming back because I just thought oh I'm gonna have to go back to Europe where it's archaic again only to find of course I'm in you know the Netherlands which is a slightly different story so um, yeah Yeah. one of one of your good friends Carol Whitworth was we interviewed her a month or so ago and it was 40 years ago this year when she started her design agency and she couldn't think of any other women that were around then. It was really hard to think, thinking back at that era. Yeah, well, yeah, when I joined Sampson Tyrrell, I mean, you know, I graduated, Pip Llewellyn was in my class at LCP. So, you know, Pip joined, um, you know, subsequently has had a fantastic career. Um, and then people like Frances Jackson, who's at OPX, she was in the, they were a couple of years below me and on the MPD course, our MPD course is so good um you know uh and obviously the graphics course at, at lcp as well but um there was a a really fantastic year that we graduated from but when we went in it was still that we were kind of i hate to say this but design totty yeah <laughs> that, is a, that phrase for a while i was but, gonna uh, say that is a phrase that you cannot use anymore no i can tell don't. you but actually because you may not know this is that francis jackson is doing the design for the next podge. No, I know. She volunteered. Oh, the last oh she did, yeah. So it's 26, it'll be 26 years, 26 letters in the alphabet, so you can guess what the theme is going to be. But when we finally get permission to have design podge uh, at the Groucho Club, it's actually Francis that's there with a hand up. So well done, LCP. Yeah, I know. Uh, Heather, I just want to, I want to, like, we, we're sort of bouncing because you've had such a, you know, your ge- the geography of your life and your career has been quite expansive as well. But I want to go back to where you, where we were a minute ago and sort of you move from from a fantastic you know company, but not necessarily in the right design field. You're more of a brand designer. So what was your first ever identity job? Where where, where did that side of your your career kick off? Yeah, I was, yeah I'm cheating because I've just opened up my old resume. <laughs> 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 like, hang on, I've got to go back and have a look. When I was at Lowy's, you know, I was working on Shell because, right. you know, Raymond designed the pectin and all that stuff. Um, but that was more updating. In terms of the first identity that I was responsible in terms of, you're never t- entirely responsible. It's always a team. But um, when I went to Samson Tyrrell, because um, it's still alive and kicking, I think that's the thing with design. A lot of people would say to me, oh, yeah, I've won an award. I've got this thing. I was like, okay, nice. It's a yogurt pot um <laughs> branding it's like it's got to it's got to live out there for like 20 odd years or 10 or however but it's got to have a bit more longevity it can't be you Absolutely. know not that i dispute the beautiful lollipop but um so i'm just looking at my resume and thinking oh my god it was the royal mail was the most significant first one wow. and that royal mail guideline and carol said to me at a pod a few years ago oh, I've got a design collectible from the Royal Mail. And she didn't realise. And I said, oh, I designed that. And she went, oh, my God. Um, and so that I won a ton of, well, we, I say we won a ton of awards. And that was, um, that's the reason I ended up at Wolfonians because they were absolutely gutted. They lost all the awards that year. And so that to, to this and that piece of work, and I'm a bit anti-awards, so it's ironic that they're all rolling in. Um, and then I was doing Mazda Motors with Pip, you know, Pip Llewellyn. Uh, we did all of the rebranding of Mazdas for all the European dealerships when I was there. Um, provincial insurance, Scottish Power, back when they sort of, you know, stopped being a nationalised company. So 
those were the first big ones which was truly from beginning wow. to end that was that was when I was at Samson Tyrrell so yeah been busy ever since so the the actual uh, decision to go to New York how did all that come about well um <laughs> I'd I, I think it was partly to do with being a woman in our industry in the UK. I have to, it's, I have to, you know, it's the truth. So uh, my partner at the time, Graham, was just making, doing a great, having a great living, you know, you know, had a creative director's title, et cetera, but brought all the work home every night and I checked it while I was doing all well, well, et cetera, et cetera. So we were just little dynamic duo at home. But, um, and he really wanted to go to New York and I had cold feet, was like, oh no, no, no. And then weirdly we split up and then uh, a couple of ex-Wolfies guys who were had already gone to New York were like, hey, she should come here. And so I sent my resume to Ros Goldfarb, who's like one of the headhunters in the US. And she was like, oh, not another British designer. And she read it and picked the phone up immediately. And she said, nobody else knows she was a good story. I was like, no. And so uh, she signed me up immediately and it took about a year to find the right jobs that by um i ended up being executive creative director of enterprise ig in midtown manhattan so uh and they had it was ansbach grossman portugal which wpp had bought and then it became enterprise ig which again brand union you know it's it's morphed over time but um so yeah i was there um until 9 11 happened basically which uh, and then that turned the entire industry up in the US completely as it did in the world. Um, and I left and with quite a few of my other designers and set up my own agency. So in, yes. Manhattan, in Manhattan, up post 9-11, it's like, it was just bonkers. I don't know, I'm just insane. I don't know why I did that, <laughs> but anyway. No, that, just that whole experience, you're in a place that you don't really know, that's new to you. 9-11 has happened. And yeah. you make a decision to start your own business. Well, I was told to do it. <laughs> told, <laughs> told, or <laughs> well, there's a lovely gentleman called Hal Pearson who used to be the managing director of Landerat in Hong Kong, and uh, he and I went to Balthazar in the uh, in Soho in Manhattan and um, had lunch, and uh, and he's like, "What on earth are you even bleating about? Don't get another job. Just set your own agency up." He said, "The others can't do it. You can." So. I just do as I'm told. I do very well under instructions. So I just—I was like, oh, I'll register a thing now. And, um, and you know, and it's just that is sort of in between some other sort of ventures is just, just, you know, has been marvellous over the last 20 years. So, yeah. yeah. But setting up in New York, imagine if there'd be lots of people who will listen to this. And they'd be wondering how you would how you would even start, you know, setting up a business in Manhattan. What what were the big issues for you? Um, I didn't realise afterwards that I was just it was just braver. When I did my citizenship and I was being interviewed by the the guy who was just like gonna rubber stamp me in or out, he's like, and I explained to him I had my own business and he went, Oh, you're an entrepreneur. And I went, Yes, he went, You're in. <laughs> <laughs> Americans full of you know it's entrepreneurs baby I think the, the joy of the US is it celebrates people who have ambition 
And the, the thing that I found a bit of a Debbie Downer about living in the UK was if you had any ambition or you wanted to do something, everyone has an excuse about why not to and how difficult it's going to be there. It's like, you know, go straight to City Hall, register your thing, get your thingy. I've still got my registration thing in a little envelope, you know, and um, set up your website, open up your stall and get going. Because that's the American way, baby. So I just went with the flow. That's brilliant. Brilliant. And Helen, you, I, want, I want to try and pick some highlights now because you packed an awful lot into your career. And I think with, you know, there's so many, so much richness in each of the agencies you've worked out and your own consultancy and some of the projects you've worked on. But what would be, what is the, is there one project or, or one of some projects that you're most proud of? Or is there one? Is there one that you say, do you know what, when I, when I write my memoirs, that's the one that's going to stand out? Well, I love all my children equally. <laughs> you know former clients will listen to this <laughs> no, uh, that is very good point. Um, no to, but to be fair uh, I think every identity and brand has its own unique set of characteristics so you can't pick one out from another I mean I've done like five airlines I've done banks insurance companies you know um, you know uh, and just before I left the States for, for a friend of mine, we did a, a golf app for as a startup, you know, which was a gamification of golf um, because it's very analog sport. So, you know, and yet, you know, not long before that, when I was at Profit, we'd, um, you know, created the Optum brand and uh, for United Health Group, which is a $200 billion company. So wow. it the satisfaction varies but the thing is for me is to always do them and always with the the designers that I've had who've worked with me over the years is no matter what do it with the same commitment and the same love and actually just park your ego at the door and say you're there to help that person or that business do its business better or well or if it's a merger or an acquisition or whatever so you don't bring your ego to it and you're really looking at creating the DNA of a, a, a company or a business that will last them another 20, 10 or 20 years. So you've got to have a business strategy. You have to have acumen from that point of view in terms of what you're designing. And you're also designing so that it will be, you know, that it, it's fit for future because, you know, if you're doing an airline, you won't be able to touch the first plane for three years after in, until you're into it because you've got to, plan taking them out of the air and putting them through when they have their sea check and all the rest of it and do audits of every single you know airport around the world with signage I mean it's just you know they're huge huge things um so it, it's the satisfaction is just doing it period it's not a who it's it's just having that the privilege of that as a career to be honest with you you remember back to when you were asked to design the brand for a country what little country was that then phil that was the, <laughs> the, the little country that we uh, we we yes being, the royal, being, it is a royal we the branding britain uh, we yeah we being uh real time yeah got this amazing opportunity and uh we called in helen to help us that we, we've suddenly got this project for branding britain yeah uh what about branding a country as against branding an airline, what were the special okay, issues? Interesting, because when I was at Wolf Owens, it's called destination branding, technically speaking. Uh, <laughs> so we'd already branded Portugal, and weirdly, we won that piece of work because one of our fantastic Wolf Owens back then was privately owned, so it was a family. You know, Gilbert did the 
cook lunch with you know we had one of Conrad's sons doing cook you know the chef and you know the you know the cleaning staff were mates and you know we used to do life drawing with Lucy and Freud I mean, it was just fabulous um but no one answered the phone because it was we'd left and uh, she picked the phone up and you know in her broken English and it was a Portuguese guy and of course she speaks fluent Portuguese cleaner and so that's how we won Brandy in Portugal oh, um, they came over and they went where's Maria and we were just like Maria <laughs> you know so, um so when you called me and said oh we've got a country I was like oh, been there done that let's go and do this so um but I was so at the same time I was doing that with you I was also doing Scandinavian Airlines with um Diefenbach well Davis Barron that became Diefenbach Elkins Davis Barron which they Barron but um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I remember coming in and you'd done that sketch and one to work with. And of course, it was unprintable. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to put my little London Country printing printing brain on and do. A f and we did that formula big sheet that the overnight staff did. And I remember coming in the next morning and all these blokes hadn't gone home from the night shift from your office. And I was I like, my God, did I do something wrong? And one of the guys said, we just wanted to meet you. And I was like, oh, why? <laughs> Which is like, you know, we want to meet the person whose brain figured this out. And I was like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> one of them was the formula, which was a certain amount of black in the CMYK. And uh, it's boring that I know this stuff. Um, but uh, so, yeah, and that's how we ended up doing it. But that was a fabulous thing. That was a great project, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It and then it launched at Leicester Square at the Odeon. Yeah, all the taxis mm -hmm. wrapped uh, in it. All the government ministers there. It was quite a, you know, I, I loved it. That was, yeah. it was a project that we could quite easily have screwed up. And having you there at the helm with the team. Uh, and back then, our operation was 24 hours. Yeah. So the people looking after the type, the typography, the proofreading, the check, that, that, they were doing that overnight so that when you came in the following day, it was all there to. Yeah, normally they'd left by the time, you know, even though I was there at nine, I wasn't, you know, in there any later, but they'd yeah. normally left their shift, but they were all hanging about. And I was like, oh, I, thought, I thought I was in trouble. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've made friends for life, which was great. So I love those guys. Yeah, no, they're brilliant. Are you enjoying our podcast? Remember to subscribe, share and leave us a review. We've got so much to talk about around the last few years of your life because we've, we've mentioned a bit about America, but in 2017, you, you made two big moves. You left New York and you went client side. We've spoken a lot about agency life and just the amazing stories there, but you went client side and you left New York. So tell us a little bit more about that whole move and that switch. Well, um, it's really interesting because you do get to a point, and we're not getting back to my age by any... <laughs> um, but you do get to a point in your career where it's like we're well, walking around with this encyclopedic knowledge of thinking, where can I deploy it or use it or, or you know do good with it and then um and because I've done so much work within because once you're in and you're working in a brand you're going to be in there if you're really doing it seriously and you've got significant budget of which I've had significant budgets you can be in there for two three years because that's how long it will take to either unpick it and put it together and then it could take another two, three years to roll it out. So when people say, oh, I see you did so-and-so, you're already two years, those people who contact you three years too late, as it were. But um, uh, so I was, and then I was a little bit, you know, I don't know, I was having a life crisis or something. I was thinking, oh, should I go back to the UK? And 
you know, to be closer to family because the girl, my sister's girls were getting older. I think, oh, they'll have kids any minute and I'll miss that. And, you know, it's there's a lot that you miss when you travel and you live in different countries, especially because I'd been out for two decades living in the States. So um, uh, I'd sent a note to uh, um, uh, Deborah at the DBA, actually, and said, oh, yeah, a bit, I don't know what to do. You know, I was thinking of going back to the UK and, you know, and she sent me a note back and said, it's not the UK, it's the Netherlands. How would this work? Because they've been looking, you know, for the person to fill this role for quite some time. And I think they had a lot of people from um, more industrial design backgrounds applying for it. And so uh, I said, oh, I'm coming over for July 4th because I'm going to be on vacation to the UK. I can pop over to Amsterdam and see the guys for a couple of hours and come back. I popped over and I was there for two days. Wow. <laughs> Went down to Eindhoven, which is, you know, um, so our high-tech campus is in Eindhoven, the Philips, and that's where Philips first started. Obviously, um, uh, we're 130 years old this year. Design in Philips is uh, nearly 95 years old. We don't look it. Um, but uh, you know, there are people who've been in Philips design for quite some time. They don't look it either. Uh, but, uh, you know, and so when you see behind the R&D and you look, you know, the stuff that's really secret where there's real research work going on, um, and we are a health technology focused business now as our, uh, you know, what we do, obviously we have lots of licensed brands that are Philips brands as well, which are fabulous as well. But we've been going through a transformation and, um, and then I, you know, that I'm like, well, how big is Philips design? And it's got a huge reputation from an industrial design point of view. And, um, you know, people say to me, Oh my God, Philips. And I was like, Oh yeah, but it's, you know, um, and, you know, we've got 650 designers, 13 locations. Wow. We're designing everything from toothbrushes to um, scanners for image guided therapy, you know, precision diagnosis, connected care, uh, our personal health businesses. Um, and uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, you know, we've, it's just been exhausting the past year because we make a lot of the equipment that people need to survive and live in, in the wow. medical sense. But we're also designing and building hospitals because our equipment has to go into facilities. We're, we're optimizing the, the usage of facilities. Um, we've got a global aging population. And so there aren't enough medical facilities around the world for any of us as we get older. So what does mobile health look like? You know, population health management, how do you do that? That's, you know, and if you look at the cost of care, you know, which is, you know, and value-based care and what we call the quadruple aim, which is a, um, you know, it, it's it's a very thoughtful, um, you know, it's serious, but there's a lot of joy in Philips, but um, it is, it, 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 it's been very, this year has been exhausting. Um, and we had a leadership call with France last week where he was almost in tears at the beginning because he was so proud that everybody, there's 80,000 people stepped up and really helped in the pandemic because, you know, people are dying around us and it's just been a horrific year from that point of view. So um, it was very sobering, um, but uh, but as when I walked around the, the high-tech campus, which is like the Silicon Valley of Europe, by the way, it's where all the smart people are. And I do feel very dumb when I'm there because okay. every designer's got a PhD, which I'm like, um, and they took me into the NICU of the future um, for mother and childcare. And um, 
I mean, I was crying because it was so beautiful, but the, just the technology and uh, or the lack of visible technology um, was just stunning. And, uh, and of course, Sean's like, he said, oh, yeah, God, she was crying within minutes. And I was just like, oh, my God, i got to work here. Again. Why doesn't anyone know you do this? Um, so we're almost the most humble brand on the planet as well. So, uh, but that was the thing that sort of tipped me over the edge. I was like, oh, God, come tomorrow. So I did actually pack my bags and got over in about six weeks after meeting right the contract so um i think there's an interesting thing within that so the way that you found out that there was even a job at phillips oh. was not through any headhunters no not through any of the normal methods no, well, they've been looking for a long time they, they didn't yeah so when, that, yeah. when deborah saw um nina's email she just she said who is this person she went, oh it's helen in new york just call her and I mean, went, oh my God. But, but that's that's the, the, my next question then is around the, the quality, the value of networking. Yes. Because people won't know who Deborah is uh, other than our close friends. Yeah, and so Deborah Thornton is the CEO of uh, the, yeah. The DBA, Design Business okay. Association. Yeah. And the fact that you, you've, tra you've traveled more miles than anybody coming to Podge lunches every year. You've done it from wherever you are, whether you're in Amsterdam, whether you're in New York, you always put the date in your diary. You're always like one of the first to ring up, say, when is it? And but by actually networking, you are meeting the people that find out about these opportunities. And and I, I didn't realize it was Deborah that put you onto that role. And it's actually a really nice feeling because that's that says a lot about you just keeping connected. Because like in New York, it's not an obvious connection, is it, to be connected with the DBA? No, but if you're at a certain level in the industry, then your your connections are global. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, and I think that's one of the, uh, we've just done a, a thing with uh, with France, which is actually with the senior leadership in Philips of Leadership Asks, which is, you know, how do you, you know, how do you lead? Um, and uh, and I think that when you when you get to a certain um, sort of altitude in our industry, you know, there's there's not many people to rub shoulders with, are there? Um, it's a pretty lonely. The more the higher up you get there, you know, and that's why I wasn't kidding when I was saying it's why I'm single. It's a pretty lonely place. Um, uh, so your your cohorts or your colleagues aren't bound by geography. So, um, and you're, you know, people that you can talk to where you can go, oh my God, this happened because you're going to frighten the life out of anyone else who's, you know, uh, or that you can get real candid conversation or real coaching from as well, because I think we never stop learning and it, there's always valuable coaching from, you know, people that you know, and, or even the young, mature people like that, 22 year old Amanda, <laughs> um, you know, teaching us a lesson this week. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, I think networking is key to being in the creative industry anyway, to be honest with you. Um, and also coming to Podge is just, you know, a way of seeing the mates every year as well. So speaking of mates, it was you that brought Michael Wolf along. Yes. And, you know, it was years ago you worked for him. So he was, I never... Well, no, actually, I need to correct you. Michael wasn't at Paul Phones when I was there. He'd already left. But Graham, who I was living with, Taylor, uh, was working at Addison, where Michael was working as a consultant. 
And so that's how I met Michael. And I was working with Wally Owens more closely when I was at Wolf Owens. It was really Wally that I was working with. So, um, oh, so, so I, I've, had a, I've had a friendship with Michael, ironically, outside of Wolfie's. But of course, his name's on the door of Wolfie. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Dan and I were chatting last week. It'd be really lovely. Some of those legends, like Martin Lambinen, died sadly quite recently. And he and Michael Wolf were together at Podge last year, like really having a good chat together. They they enjoyed each other's company. It'd be quite nice to get someone like Michael to do something like this. I don't know how he would, whether he'd be up well, for doing well, that. Well, um, he's, he's, he's scheduled for his second vaccine, so I think he'll be out soon. <laughs> Oh really? Oh god. All we've got to do is ask him, but he's because he's not we won't give his age away either. He's a spring chicken as well. Um <laughs> but uh yes, yeah, so he's been shielding very, very uh seriously because uh you know he's, he's not a spring chicken as it were. Um and I know he had his first shot uh and he's got his second shot due. So I think post his second shot you might be able to get him beat. Right. I might ask for your help in listen. Uh, that one it's my jab tomorrow by the way my vaccine oh, oh, my so first you, one you are only 21 exactly <laughs> <laughs> i can see da- i can see dad laughing his head off there because in order to say i've get I get the jab i have to give age away which is something i'm reluctant to do in front of the arsenal man <laughs> i love it so how are you enjoying amsterdam how does that compare with all the years you've been working in in new york um i have to say uh, I'm very homesick for Manhattan. Um, I mean, it's just, and uh, and I love Amsterdam. And thankfully, I had lived here when I was a student. And uh, ironically, I'm not. I'm, you know, only a few blocks away from where I was staying when I was a student. And I've got loads of friends here who are part of the American Women's Society. And because I was lodging with an American when I first came here, and I, she was an influence for me getting over um uh you know and thinking oh yeah going to the states isn't a big deal because lynn who was my landlady when i was a student ended up being my american mom as it were um and she was from detroit uh, uh oh no she was actually from gross point michigan her father was a, a director of uh, gm and uh and she was uh, a very well-heeled american that lived here and had a fabulous career um oh i've got my my uh, link to uh somebody famous now <laughs> wondering if I was going to find one uh she was um set up the Hilton hotels in Europe and oh, so right. he was head of PR when uh John and Yoko did their sleep in 50 years ago wow very so cool I've, I've got fantastic photos of her with John and Yoko on the bed and um uh, so it's ironic that I live around the corner from the Hilton as well yeah there's something actually, yeah, going yeah. on in the universe that it's put me here which I'm trying not to overthink actually I'm going to do a bit of prying now, Helen, because you've mentioned twice about being single. Mm. And over in Holland, those guys, they're all about six foot four as a start point, aren't they? They're some big, chunky fellas. I mean, it was going to happen anyway. It's quite a decent place there, isn't it? <laughs> Not tall, handsome men. I'm glad that we're having a, a, a uh, an appropriate conversation. <laughs> Bill Jones, not... Yeah. Um, well, no, it doesn't help if we've been in lockdown since March 8th last year. There's, there's, you can't go out anywhere or meet anybody. So, you know, I've, I've got no choice at the moment. No, yeah, they're all in little square boxes, aren't they? Everybody you meet. Right? <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm a serial monogamist. Yeah. 
fine. <laughs> um, one of my thoughts was like, have you, over those years, you've worked with lots of different people and you've met lots of different designers, male and female. Uh, who are your heroes, your own personal design heroes that... I think that um, from LCP, it was Brian who taught us typography, who on the first day we started and he, you know, he was always wore uh, like a camel colored sweater and, you know, leather arm patches and his fingers were just brown with nicotine where he had his roll ups and, <laughs> and we knew he was a rock star and his friends were, you know, like, um, Langar and Frashel and you know it's just like you're just like oh my god and so we knew he was this god of typography and terrifying and when he introduced himself to us he said hello my name's Brian Grimley and uh, uh, my forte and I was thinking what is it is the A4 page and I was like oh my god we are screwed <laughs> and so for him he was devastated when we went to the decimal system because 12 is the most exquisite perfect number so 72 points anything that's in 12 inches you know anything that's you know the a4 page you know the fibonacci series you know you know you, you name it you know he taught us all about golden section it is ingrained in my brain and it will be until the day i <laughs> um and of course you know it was all about helvetica you know the humanistic form um, but he uh, was terminally ill when we graduated and uh, we were his last year that graduated with him. And he, uh, he was at St. Bart's Hospital um, uh, and asked to see me and my dad had died while I was doing my degree as well. So I was just devastated when I went in to see Brian. And I was thinking, what can Brian want to tell me or me, you know, on his deathbed, effectively, I mean, he was a skeleton in the bed. And, uh, and I was like, Brian, why are you here? Why am I here? And he was just the nicest, nicest man. And, uh, and he said to me, I think you're going to go far. I was like, okay. And, um, and he's like, I want you to release you of something. I don't want to have this on my conscious. I'm like, right before you die. Um, he said to me, I think Helvetica might have had its day. Oh my God, what a story. And I release you. So I've never used it. But, and that was in hospital. Um, yeah. That was in hospital. But Andre, yeah, he was dying. What a story. He was the, the beauty. We weren't allowed. Oh, my God. The typefaces we weren't allowed. I mean, that, you know, because they're ugly, they're mechanical. There's this, you know, you don't, at the time, you're thinking he's crazy. And, of course, now I've turned into that crazy person, as any of the designers who work with me will tell you. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and I've just, I've never, I've just, I've never used it. Because he wow. relieved me, really, and he was the king of Helvetica. LCP was the was the Swiss school, you know, and he's like, I, 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 I think it's had its day. You need to know that you don't need to use it. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, thanks, mate. So in terms of influence, him, it's stuff like that that you just think I'm released. You know, I don't have to follow that. And when I went and did my student internship at total i found it a very interesting type of design it's that very wacky typography which of course now you do on computer but then you have to get figure it out mathematically and send it to the typesetters that hurts your brain um but you know and i was just like mm, i don't want to do that either because i found it very stylistic whereas i think in the identity work that i do is i do try and step aside and 
use my design skills to deliver what's right for the client that's a reflection of them and I'm not imposing my style but I am coming with my taste and which, beauty and the beauty that Loie sent me showed me which so, has probably helped you in your career right expect you know, the span of your career is phenomenal from the typesetting days to future design and designing of of not just products and brands, but whole ecosystems as you're doing now. That, that, that kind of mindset's probably helped you really well, I can imagine. It's a, but it's a discipline. And I, and I think it also is, um, you know, so any of the younger designers that come through, I always say, if we bring them on, we have to be really serious because it's very easy for them to be disillusioned. And like I was after two years, I was going, oh my God, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. And actually saying, no, you're one of these, or you're one of those, or you're one of those. Um, and, you know, that's how you nurture and bring people along. And I think that, you know, I learn something every day. And I think everyone that you have to be able to, you know, be open-minded about what you can and can't do. I, I know I've got thousands of faults, but, um, but you know, at the end, I'm always passionate about design and about um, the detail. And God is in the detail. So, um, which can get a little bit mundane for certain people, but successful brands are a lot of the time successful because of the rigor and the discipline of actually implementing them and sustaining that implementation. You know, I was, when, when everyone's complaining, I said, imagine those guys at Apple, they've got a white box and a logo to put on the front. Yeah. You know, so, and no one's complaining, well, they might be complaining, but you know, that's the brand, you know, and it's beautiful. So, you know, whatever you come up with, the rigor then is the discipline of sticking with it. And that is actually the hardest part of branding for any organization or anyone who has one. What a brilliant branding lesson right there. So Helen, tell us a little bit about life outside of design. What kind of, what keeps you, what keeps you busy when you're not designing? <laughs> or is there a life outside of design? Nobody can see me shaking my head and go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I quickly rephrase the question. That weird. <laughs> Four lesser word that began with L. Um, uh, uh, I think everyone who knows me knows that I love photography. So, in any case, that was part of MPD as well. So, um, for you know, if if I'd come from a wealthy family um, that could have afforded to buy me a Hasselblad, I would have done photography at LCPM. So, uh, apart from photography, which is an all-consuming passion. Um, I also have a misspent youth of sailing, which uh, I almost didn't tell you about. But uh, yeah, when I was uh, at school, my art teacher, who was the reason I'm a designer, we were going way back now, also took us sailing for the first time when we were teenagers and I got bitten by the bug. So um, before I went to art school, I actually uh, did my yacht masters and um, did transatlantic race. So I'm a transatlantic yachtswoman. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. And um, have sailed many, I think within two years, I did about 30,000 miles of sailing. And it's 33,000 miles around the planet. And so a lot of my friends, like Angus Buchanan, et cetera, are, and he's a Jules Verne trophy holder. So I've got nothing on him. And you can look that up if you don't know what that is, but um, uh, which he did with Peter Blake. Um, uh, that is, so a lot of my I've got some godchildren of very big international sailors and that is my other sort of passion sport but you have to be young fit and stupid I'm not any of those three things anymore but well, I'm still stupid but um I'm not young and fit anymore to do that 
design. My nieces are like, oh my God, she's going to drag us to another gallery. And I'm like, one day that will pay off, you know. Um, and I'm like, this is our art. We own it. It's our book. our right. You know, so you know, uh, just, just the joy of that. Um, uh, seeing friends, having fantastic conversations. Uh, um, my nieces, I've got four who are amazing. Sally, Lucy, um, Claire and Katie. Uh, and they're all just phenomenal women lovely brilliant okay well let me ask this question then so do you within that let's keep let's keep it to design although you're more than welcome to answer in any way you like but do you have any regrets or anything you still want to do i don't know if we've got regrets but I, it's i think we you know one of the things i wanted to do was was go in house because we never we started that conversation so um uh that has been a real eye-opener because to see you know, knowing when you hand it over, even though you might have been working with a company for years and years and years, to see how the inner workings of a corporation works, and especially one, and I'm very lucky that we're in one where um, design has a place at the board, you know, at board level, you know, with, with Sean, you know, reports into your room, um, and, uh, you know, we, we are a design-led organisation and we have been for, obviously, I said decades, we've been around doing design for 95 years or um, it's the respect that design has in our organisation is really interesting. So that is one of my bucket lists of, you know, but to go to the right company where it's where it's driven by design and obviously, you know, and, and, uh, and actually the purpose that we're on as well. Um, but, you know, so that was one big one. Um, gosh, I don't know what else from a, you know, a, a professional point of view um, that I'd be sort of thinking about. I think for me, it's just, I've always been open-minded and like, if not, if something comes along, I'll go for it. Because people say to me, oh, you planned your career. I said, no, I just uh, never said no. So that's, right. you know, my dad was like, it's not a rehearsal. You don't always get asked back a second time so don't say no unless you really so so my not saying no has sort of look where i've got look where it's got me yeah amazing brilliant yeah. What, what's the last thing that you saw that you thought that's wonderful i mean you're in the whole world of design so you probably see things every day that that probably inspire you and you think you know that that's sort all of... well, well whatever it is it would be in my apartment so <laughs> <laughs> yes right in for a year yeah that's true um Actually, you know what, we, uh, Adam Murphy, who's uh, uh, one of my experience directors, who's fab fabulous, uh, he and I went to the Red Dot Awards last year in Berlin. And um, it wasn't so much that it was one thing, but it was uh, one I thought, oh my God, we're like the big grown-ups here because of the, you know, the magnitude of what we do in some instances. But there was just some beautiful, whimsical, lovely design solutions that were there that you just that sort of just thought oh well, that's why I'm a designer because you know those lovely things that were just beautifully executed ideas so it wasn't one thing but it was just it's nice to know that we're still in this incredibly vibrant dynamic world where there's all these young scallywags who are just as passionate as we were back in the day as it were who are just having a ball and, and doing just beautiful, beautiful work. So I was just, I just thought, oh, it was like such a little shot in the arm of like, you know, like, oh, you can go back and be serious again. But, um, you know, so I think it's, it's not one thing, it's just knowing that 
design is flourishing and um and there are some fantastic talents out there so yeah brilliant uh, just before dan asks you the final question just going back to your lcp days and that those last few years that you were you were there you mentioned um, opx but who were the other people that you can remember that went on to do great things that were were there and was was annie eves teaching at the time that you were there was annie one of your teachers well, of course she was one of our teachers <laughs> yeah but i can't remember the year that she joined and I, oh, I can't remember. I think she'd been on the faculty for a long time. Um, and we had Yaroslav and we had various other people. But, you know, people like Neville Brody, you know, and yeah. you know, we, we, it was, you know, I'm going to date myself now. So it was in the it was in the 80s. And so, um, you know, LCP and, and actually our year. So um, actually specifically in my year, uh, you know, we've got partners at Pentagram and um, Angus Highland was actually was my flatmate on Blackfriars Road um you know there's quite a lot of that that was a weird year we were quite a successful year so a lot of um sort of leaders in design industry are sort of came out of that year now Frances was in a different year she was uh, a couple of years below me but um yeah there were quite a few yeah, isn't everyone people was, was ranking in your year no but I know him um, I don't think he was in my year, but I, no, because he was. He used to come down to get the rub downs done, like all the students yeah. did. So he was obviously studying graphic design. Yeah, but there was the graphics course. There was MPD photography because MPD was uh, also did film and uh, photography as well, which was slightly different from graphics, which did illustration and stuff. So it's just nice, nice sometimes to think how how did other people who went on a certain course get on, you know, and. Well, if you went to LCP, you got on very well, statistically speaking, especially that, that year. Yeah. So, yeah, we were, it was, but you know what? I really do think it was people like Brian and it was people like Peter and Martin and the guys who were our course leaders at Annie. And, uh, you know, I, God, I can't remember the name of the guy, Peter. Um, and, uh, this, you know, being taught typesetting, bookbinding, you know, silkscreen printing, real hands-on you know, just before computer, really, that yeah. those skills never leave you. And you've always got that eye, which is amazing. Yeah, the reason, uh, for Dan's sake, the reason I mentioned Annie, was she one of the teachers in your, but it's Annie, Annie Eves was this most amazing lady that every year she would bring the students down to our company, which was a type company. And she was so passionate she was so enthusiastic and she so wanted to get them jobs in the industry. And, and she, it was always about them. It was never about her. But after several years of seeing her do this, I, I thought she's just too good to be just teaching down there. And I actually hired her, if you remember. So I Annie did. Then, yes, and we were like, what happened to Annie? After we left. So, um, but no, I really do think it was there was just that sweet spot at the time at LCP where it was still the wacky, you know, avant-garde 60s, 70s sort of revolutionaries, you know, in the, in the teaching faculty. And, you know, there was no graduation, you know, waterboard. It was just, it was really sort of hippy dippy, you know, but, you know, and it was an absolute, I mean, honestly, yeah. if you walked into the studio, it was basic. Um, and I'm not going to use the, 
any experience, but <laughs> not glamorous. So, you know, the fact that the work came out of that environment that came out was out of the teaching and just, you know, the kids that were there who were just, you know, they ignited something in us that was just incredible. I don't suppose the APT type books have followed you on any of your journeys around the world well do you know what um there are quite a few boxes in my sister's garage in Walnuts, which she made me empty a few years ago and i was crying when i was throwing out some old guidelines that was like oh, my brother-in-law's like they're not staying here another day and i and i was like my 24 column grid that i hand drew for the for the provincial guidelines and you know and um, I was like, this is sad, but I do have uh, a cardboard roll with all my hand-drawn grids in it that are rolled up as sacred icons that I've kept. But Amazing. Not the font book, sorry, Phil. Dan, I, I don't want this one to end, but you've got to end it. On... No, 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 we can talk design all day. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? I mean, the final question we ask all of our guests is that as a digital agency, we're all about sort of taking complex problems and delivering wonderfully simple solutions. That's our kind of mantra. What's one of life's complexities you'd like to see made simpler? I, well, the one thing I, it is like my little mantra and the guys at the office would be just like, oh, God, here we go. And I would just like take the things away that don't need to be there. So it doesn't matter what it is that we're designing, and uh, and then they'll come back. Oh, you were right. Those, you know, you know, three things could do. You know, create something that's really elegant and simple. Um, you know, if you keep throwing tons of stuff in it, then it just gets cluttered. So you know, and I was reviewing some work last night that one of our um, ad agencies had done, and I was just like, it's just, it's just you know, we've discovered it hadn't tested very well. And I was just like, it's just because it's just full of clutter. So, and the things that tested well were the ones that they thought, oh, it's because it's so-and-so. I said, no, look at what's in it. There's three things in it. So I think for me, it's always, you know, the fewer things that you put into it and the more, it's harder to do that and take things away because it, I think it takes more discipline. But um, I think for me, it's just that, con it's my constant, yeah, the guys will tell you, it's like, she's just gonna tell us to take something off, you know? Um, you know, because it is a discipline. So keep it simple. Keep it simple. Just keep life good simple. End. That sounds good, doesn't it? Helen, it's been such a pleasure and privilege to spend time with you. You're very yeah. welcome. Thank you very much for joining Dan. Dan and Phil, or Phil and Dan. Mm -hmm. There is the question. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Wonderful People podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Wonderful Creative Agency. Find out more at bewonderful.co.uk.